This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Monday, 28th of November, 2022. And we have a sudden and powerful new distraction for, uh, for global markets with these protests in China. As we try to wrap our, ha- uh, wrap our heads around how widespread they are and, of course, what the official response will be and how this will impact both COVID-0 uh, going forward and, and Chinese growth and, and demand for commodities around the world. Everything basically Chinese sensitive, having a bit of a tough time of it overnight. And in, in my area, FX, we're seeing the Aussie, perhaps the weakest among G10 currencies. We see yields down. And with that weak risk, weak risk sentiment, we see the dollar up, but the Japanese yen up even more. So I think it's it's just very interesting test here. We had sort of the narrative coming into this week, one of a sort of a one-dimensional focus, as we called it last week, on these falling U.S. yields, financial conditions easing as the Fed is seen as uh, slowing down its pace of tightening, uh, while we are delaying consideration of, of the reason for that, and that is the eventual incoming recession. So uh, yeah, I don't know how we're supposed to treat this. I think the market is really on edge here on how to treat it as well, but it certainly will provide a new distraction, as we say, on a headline basis uh, going forward here on how long they can sustain the zero COVID, if it's loosened up, on what scale, etc. So uh, over to you, Peter. I mean, what are you seeing? And as you look across Asia, there's been some interesting other developments in markets, as you mentioned on our internal call in terms of how India is reading this. Yeah, if, but if we start with uh, what happened last week and what's uh, the price, and then go into price action this morning. So we the, we ended last week with very strong performance among commodities and defense, nuclear power, bubble stocks report, uh, reacted to the lower U.S. ten-year yield, and logistics in India were doing well. And I think we discussed it in the internal meeting. So if we look at the performance across equity markets in Asia this morning, uh, um, we we have obviously Chinese equities down. Other key markets in Asia are down as well, but we're seeing a positive reaction in both uh, Vietnam and, and and India, and those are the two countries alongside Indonesia. Indonesia is down a little bit today, but that's it's a different it's a different economic setup. They they more resource uh, uh, intensive and export more resources to the region. Um, so obviously the lower commodity prices uh, for for commodities related to demand coming out of China is impacting Indonesia as well, but. Uh, Vietnam and, and and India have been really talked up to be sort of the two countries that because as I said are we going to call it deglobalization or is it uh, just a reglobalization and um, I think there are many colors on on, on this and opinions and, and to me I, I just I've you know Apple has um, has said they want to set up um, their manufacturing in in India and it it really seems like there's a lot of market share gains for. Uh, for for India and Vietnam these uh, these years and uh, with the you know with everything that is evolving in China and their very strict uh, COVID policies, you would think that this will just continue. And uh, Mexico is also gaining a lot of market share in in light manufacturing. And I put in on slide three just for the perspective because um, you the you know global trade volume uh, before the global financial crisis that was really from 2001 when China opened up uh, with the big commodities boom and then uh, bang. <laughs> During the global financial crisis, um, we had global trade volume growing seven and a half percent annualized, and then in the post uh, Great Financial Crisis periods, we have been growing two point five percent, as you can see with that blue line. So, global trade is slowing down, and to what extent will we slow down even further? I think that's what we're going to find out. Um, 
but for really seeing a deglobalization that you would then you would see something like after the World War One where global trade were actually co- contracting and and I, I'm leaning towards that we're just reconfiguring the whole thing. Uh, the, the really big trouble we have in in Europe and the US by onshoring a lot of manufacturing back to our to to our continents is that a lot of the education and education of young people is not geared toward um, you know big manufacturing. So if you try to and and we have actually quite tight labor markets in Northern Europe and the US that don't have that slack to, I think, really to build out a massive manufacturing capacity. But um, yeah, a lot of, lot of views on this, I think. Yeah. And uh, overnight, as, again, with the uh, with the risk sentiment uh, dipping, we see uh, equities lower. We see those uh, US yields lower as well. We've got a new record inversion in the yield curve, uh, tens, uh, two tens down at uh, minus 80 basis points at one point overnight. And with uh, lower crude oil prices also impacting because of the fear of forward demand and with those lower U.S. yields, we see the Japanese yen actually outperforming the U.S. dollar as a sentiment or as a, sorry, as a safe haven. You can see the overview on slide four of FX and you see Dolly in there trying near these uh, lows uh, since last, uh, let's call it August, uh, down in the sub 138 area. Um, so, yeah, interesting to see how this shakes out. The, the single minded focus on yields uh, doesn't consider what uh, whether risk sentiment is going up or down. And when it's going down, that tends to provide a, a, a safe haven flows into the U.S. dollar as U.S. treasuries are the world's most liquid instrument. But it's interesting to, interesting to see the Japanese yen outperforming there overnight. Uh, still a bit curious how uh, Sterling is supposed to continue to do well in this environment. So let's see how this European session shapes up today, if people are willing to drop everything that they've been doing recently on this story, or whether uh, we're sort of going back to the uh, sort of the general celebration of easing financial conditions instead. But really, we need to look at the commodity space because that's where a lot of this action is. And we saw, obviously, with this story uh, impacting uh, forward demand, potentially, if if China remains offline. Uh, it's interesting to see the read here. You would think maybe some would, would, would argue that this could bring a uh, an end to the zero COVID more quickly rather than later. So, yeah, where are we uh, with, the, with the various commodity reactions here to this to this story? Well, I think first and foremost, you mentioned uh, energy, uh, John, and I think that's that's really where the the, the focus is concentrated right now. Initially, at least, uh, we're down uh, more than fifteen dollars now from the uh, from uh, during this. Uh, well, the, the COVID theme, or renewed COVID theme in China, has, has taken uh, crude oil down by fifteen dollars, and, uh, and obviously you really have to argue well whether a fifteen dollar drop is uh, corresponding is is uh, is warranted given the potential drop we're going to see in in Chinese demand. So that remains to be seen. So the market is it's a bit on tender hooks here, but because also with Brent crude approaching eighty dollars, with WTI trading in the mid seventies. We have an OPEC Plus meeting coming up next month. We saw last month that uh, they were not, uh, they were, they were, they were willing to surprise the market by announcing a production cut uh, with prices at these levels. Potentially, an, uh, another cut could be in the in the cards. So uh, keep an eye on that. And uh, it just it's happening at a time where where the embargo on Russian oil is just about to uh, start having an impact on supply from Russia at, at the same time. So so out. I would just argue that we are we're seeing a, a short-term weakness in demand. We're seeing uh, cr- uh, the prompt spreads back in contango, basically indicating a market that's oversupplied. Uh, but as you mentioned, John, as well, the the COVID outbreaks clearly will not be a, a permanent feature. Feature it will be it will come to an end uh, eventually. And we saw the, the uh, reserve res- reserve ratio requirements were, were lowered on Friday, so uh, China will st- stands ready to. To uh, to support its economy, it basically has to because uh, process in the street is the last thing they want. So they need to make sure that 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 stability can 
can uh, can return and that, that would probably require a lot of uh, stimulus uh, which will support commodity prices yeah i neglected to mention on the fx overview of course the renminbi is the weakest of the lot uh, relative to to all of g10 uh, still the weakest currency and the dollar cnh popping uh, above 720 quite firmly overnight although it was uh all over the place, and it was, looks like it's closing about where it opened, at least last I looked at it, uh, but a, a, a fluid situation there. But also in the food space, uh, well, you mentioned a very interesting story about how COVID is disrupting food supplies and deliveries into uh, into cities. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, I think that's probably even uh, a bigger story right. if, if if this uh, turns out to be uh, as widespread as, as uh, some of the, the reports I've seen uh, could point to. Basically, the, the yeah, similarly, restrictions are, are leaving farm products rotting, uh, rotting in the fields also we come to the point in time where where a new new crop has to be planted so, uh, so basically we are seeing a loss of loss of crop that uh, simply because the supply chains are not uh, working during this these lockdowns the impact of that is also seen in local prices we saw a corn price on the daily and futures exchange overnight hit a six months high and we just put here on slide six also the chicago corn and and recently we've seen uh, grain prices generally trade softer led by say weak prices due to the uh, ukraine grain corridor and a record for russian uh, crop production but uh, but this 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 obviously is someone that really worth uh, worth keeping an eye on because so food security ultimately is 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 uh, is probably the, the biggest concern for the for the Chinese government. So one we need to keep an eye on. And just to round up, I just forgot to mention, John. Um, there was some uh, news over the weekend that Chevron has been allowed to uh, resume uh, production in Venezuela for the next six months. In terms of barrels, it's not really going to have an impact, but. Obviously, it does point to some easing of uh, in relationship between between the U.S. and and Venezuela. Where this goes uh, remains to be seen. But uh, just put in the for reference that the uh, just so we can get an idea about the the how much uh, Venezuelan oil production has been suffering in in recent years due to sanctions. And and even if we should see a, an easing of of relationships, the uh, the production is is so run down that it will try require billions of dollars of investment to get it back up to. Uh, to uh, to previous uh, levels, but uh, there is a potential massive amount of oil uh, on the ground in Venezuela, which can be uh, taken out of the ground when when time is when time is permitting. Yeah, my understanding is also that it complements so well a lot of the um, the shale oil because which is too light, and then the Venezuelan stuff is heavy, and then you, it's a marriage made in heaven when you get that to <laughs> the refining, uh, the the full uh, range of distillates, etc. Okay, uh, uh, Peter, we still have to follow on with uh, last week. It was really a specific story about a Foxconn factory. But of course, and then, of course, that that history, uh, that story is still there in terms of risks into Apple. But uh, it can't be anything but pointing one way. And that is in the risk of further disruptions for Apple from all this, uh, I assume here. No, exactly. We're seeing Apple shares are uh, coming down here in German trading. They have some uh, receipts trading here in in Germany. So we, um, it's just these growing risks of their supply chain. Uh, we know they already have made the assessment that they want to de-risk out of China, but then that decision just came as things got more complicated. And Morgan Stanley had a note out saying that they, you know, there is a potential. Uh, production shortfall of 6 million iPhone Pro uh, models. And that was even before things got worse. So maybe it's even bigger uh, and across other types of models. Uh, we know they sell around 80, 87-ish, 90 uh, million iPhones, give or take, depending on, on their production and demand, which they just recently lowered. So um, this is a big deal. And last time I checked, uh, Apple shares were down a couple of percent. I've also highlighted, we already talked about India and Vietnam. I don't want to repeat that, but uh, we, uh, and we are on, Slide seven, by the way. Uh, I think energy stocks as well for the different reasons that uh, that Ole mentioned, and maybe one of the things that uh, that is worth mentioning as well is that um, 
we're seeing more momentum in these uh, shortfall, uh, energy shortfall uh, policies. Uh, for instance, there's a 50% windfall tax on energy firms uh, in Italy that is being drawn up. So it's um, it's uh, it's it's obviously weighing on the uh, on on the sector. And then if we look ahead on the on the earnings, today's highlight is Pintuatua. Uh, mostly, uh, it's a social media platform. They they sell online advertising. Uh, revenue is expected to be up. Uh, around 40%-ish uh, compared to a year ago. Um, the question is whether analysts uh, are too optimistic given what's ha- uh, taking place in China. So it's, um, I think actually it's it's going to be an interesting one to uh, to track. And they the company will report before uh, the market opens up for trading in the US uh, later today. Yeah, and a couple of interesting uh, tech names on your overview there on slide eight as well for those interested. Have a look at that list. Okay, let's uh, look at the macro calendar. I think I highlighted it mostly uh, on Friday, but we do have a couple of Fed speakers. And I think really this, uh, it's really going to be about the balance of do we, do we focus on the prior narrative around the, the Fed easing up and, and the loosening uh, of the outlook there? Or do we focus more on uh, China? And there's those two stories uh, interact, of course, as well, that will have implications into what the how the market prices the Fed. But we do have uh, some interesting calendar items this week for the U.S. That incoming data is so important for what the Fed is going to do. Consumer confidence is up already tomorrow, uh, and then we have uh, Fed Chair Powell himself speaking on Wednesday, but it really picks up on Thursday with that PC inflation for October, the November ISM manufacturing, and then the Friday's jobs report. We'll have to see where we're getting, if we're getting some new momentum on the negative side there. Again, we did see a pickup in the weekly claims, so you have to see several weeks of that before you can call it a signal, and we just haven't seen that yet, but that would be the the high frequency indicator to look at for a worsening in the jobs market, which is a lagging indicator anyway. We know the leading indicators are pointing in the right direction for uh, a recession, but again, it's about timing here and uh, the pace of, of how the gathering clouds are picking up here and the timing of this recession that will be so important. But yeah, keep in mind that uh, we do have a sudden injection of a new uh, stimulus for markets on the negative side, and it can go either way, depending on the headlines. Uh, we'll have to see how the situation develops. And of course, we'll be back tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>